Praise the Lord. Well, our speaker for the night is a young man. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and I'm going to let him honor his mom and dad that are here today. Hallelujah. I was going to honor them. God says, no, let Michael do that. Hallelujah. So, but Apostle Michael Fram came to us now about a year now, right? That you've been with him, maybe a little longer than a year. And uh, he didn't quite like me too much at the beginning. Hallelujah. Amen. You ever meet somebody at first and there's just like a little clash, personality clash. And uh, I don't know about this Eddie Maestas guy. Hallelujah. Amen. And, uh, and I liked Michael. The first time I heard about him was from Sylvia. Sylvia Miley, she told me about you in New Jersey. And Sylvia Miley says, hey, you got to get to know Michael. He's a good man. He's, he's solid. And uh, I think he'd be a blessing to help in this area. Hallelujah. So I reached out and Michael joined a few times. Says, eh. <laughs> I don't know about this Eddie Maestas guy. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And he went eh for a little while. Mommy, no, you can't go and when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and the Spirit of God got a hold of him and began to speak to his heart and came to me and said that, that, that he apologized to me for having the and with me. Hallelujah. Amen. And that immediately told me that's a man of God that could be honest and real because we're, we're so fake with each other sometimes. And God's tired of us being fake with one another. I'd rather him tell me, eh, I don't like you. And be real. So said, eh, I like you. Then on the back, doesn't like me. <laughs> and he was just real. That's just how he felt. And then the spirit of God began to speak to him and talk to him. And he says, you need to know Eddie's heart. Because how many know you can know somebody on the outside and as soon as you think of them and it's not even who they are. You got to know man after the heart. And there's only one way you're going to know man at the heart. It's through prayer. That you have proper discernment and you seek the Lord. And he did that. And God told me that he was going to be part of the senior council. So we prayed about it. He prayed about it. And he says, I'll let you know. And Dr. Baker called him. And Dr. Baker says, Michael, say yes. She says, what do you mean? He says, say yes. He says, one more time. Say yes, Michael, yes. She was teaching Michael how to say yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, <laughs> so then she, he called me and said, yes, I believe the Lord wants us to hook up and, and I would love to be a part of the senior council. And man, he has added so much to us and said, hallelujah, a great teacher of the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, and pure in his heart. And now we love each other. We love each other. Stand with each other pray with each other, talk to each other. And it's, I've grown from having him in my life. I've learned from having him in my life. And that's the way it's supposed to work is when we come together, we're there to learn from one another, not always trying to teach one another, but to learn from each other. And through that process, God matures us so we could be better equipped to do all that he's called us to do. So at this time, I'd like to welcome this great man of God, Apostle Michael Fram. Hallelujah. Amen. If you would welcome him.
He ain't lying. <laughs> He's telling the truth. And I think a lot of you know the reality of it, especially the senior council does. And uh, yeah, just one day. It, I, I'm, I'm convinced now in retrospect, it was a manifestation of discerning of spirits. And it was like Apostle Eddie was a coat. And God just unzipped the coat. And when the coat was unzipped, I saw his heart. And the Spirit of God said to me, you don't know him. This is who he is. And when I saw his heart, I said, that's it, I'm in. I can get behind that. And I did in front of God and everybody on one of the Zoom calls. I said, Apostle Eddie, I need you to forgive me. Because I misjudged you. And I didn't know your heart, but God showed me your heart. And I'm in. I'm in and I'm behind you. And I said, I will do everything I can to help promote and help build love and unity. And I've done exactly that. And it's been one of the greatest joys and pleasures in my life to be a part of this company of people. God has put some awesome people in my life out of relationship because of my affiliation and linking up and locking arms with love and unity. And there are visions and things that have been in my life that I thought were gone and lost. Almost like I missed an opportunity and would never come about. And what I thought was supposed to happen through one vein in a partnership with one person, God has given me in a partnership with, with 11 other people. See, sometimes we get things in our heart and we think it's coming one way and God says, curveball. And it comes another way. But God is faithful to the things that he's put within our hearts. And so I am grateful for love and unity. I am grateful for possibility. And I am grateful for the whole senior council and I love them all dearly. And I get on as many of the Zoom calls as I can because I need it. I need it because iron sharpens iron. And the more I get to know these people, the more I love them. It's absolutely true. And I have a, a specific honor tonight. My mom and dad are here. This is the first time mom and dad are in a loving unity meeting. They're sitting right over here. Apostle Leo and Apostle Edith Fran. That's my mama and my papa. Y'all better stand up or else they ain't gonna stop. I would not be who I am or what I am if it wasn't for them. If it wasn't for what they poured into me. And a lot of folks have heard me talk about Leo and Edith. They've heard me talk about Leoisms and talk about the stuff that they've imparted to me. It's all true. But I would not be who I am or what I am if it wasn't for them. Because they saw something in me before I did. 
and they channeled me where they knew I was going without telling me where I was going. And I don't have time to tell all that story, and some of you all have heard some of it. But I do have something in my heart tonight. God's been dealing with me for about two or three weeks about this particular convergence. And I do like the term convergence a whole lot more than I do conference. Because it is about different streams in the kingdom converging. It's the picture of many tributaries coming together to make one mighty river. The mighty Mississippi isn't the mighty Mississippi. It's a lot of streams and tributaries that pour into it that make it. And there is one river of God, but it takes a lot of streams to pour into it. And they converge together. And when we can get different streams in the kingdom to converge together, we can walk in something. And so I do love this term, convergence. And I began to think about that. I began to think about this, this subject or theme of kingdom transformation. And this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit. I told dad today, and he said, boy, that's a long title. Because <laughs> dad's a cut it and nail it. He just bam, 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 bam down the line, you know. But I get a little wordy sometimes. You can't say nothing when mama's saying. I'm the, Pastor Lonzine, am I telling you right? When mama says, yes, ma'am. <laughs> That's all you can do when mama says. Because you know what mama says. She'll say, you're not too big, boy. And she means it. <laughs> but I want to talk tonight about kingdom transformation through Ascension gifts working together. That's what I want to deal with tonight. God's been on me for a few weeks about we need ascension gifts or fivefold ministry or ministry gifts, whatever term you like. I ain't going to argue with anybody. So I don't like the term fivefold ministry. Fine, don't use it. You want to use ascension gift? Great. You want to use ministry gift? Great. You want to use fivefold ministry gift? Great. I agree with you. I am not splitting hairs and be involved in semantics. But God began to deal with me about we've got to have leaders come together and work as leaders. And when we look at the New Testament, there is a blueprint. There is a pattern of how ascension gifts functioned and operated. The problem is, through the course of church history, we have greatly departed from the blueprint and the pattern of the New Testament. And if truth be told, we are miles away. And we're not going to get a kingdom transformation if we don't look like the blueprint and the pattern. And so my purpose tonight is to take you on a journey through the book of Acts. And look at how ascension gifts interacted with each other. 
and how they ministered together and how they partnered together. Because in our day and in our age, with all the things that we have seen and all the restoration that we have seen, we, we saw a, a voice of healing movement where evangelists got restored to the church. We saw a charismatic renewal and a word of faith movement. And teachers got restored to the church. And then we had a prophetic movement. And prophets got restored to the church. And then we got an apostolic movement. And we got apostles restored to the church. The problem is none of them will work together. Because they want to build my kingdom instead of his kingdom. And Jesus said, you're supposed to pray, thy kingdom come, not my kingdom come. And so I want to look at what they did in the book of Acts and see, this is the pattern. When the junk that we've been doing is not the pattern. And we will not have kingdom transformation until we go back. To the pattern. And so it is through working together. It is through convergence. It is through many streams and many gifts coming together that we will see the transformation that we want. So if you would, I want to start in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And I have several texts that are in my notes here tonight. There are four particular texts that I want to look at. Four different circumstances of ascension gifts or fivefold ministry gifts and how they operated together. So in Acts chapter 8, of course, we know that's when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. I think most of us know that text. And if you're ever going to be talking about the ministry of an evangelist, that is your golden text. Acts 8 is your golden text to talk about the ministry of the evangelist. And you can really wind up and preach if you're coming from Acts chapter 8. But I'm going to start reading in verse 4. And I'm going to drop and go all the way down to verse 17. It says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Boy, I'll tell you, when people get free from demons and people get healed, there's joy. And it wasn't just joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. Nothing brings great joy like the delivering power of God. There was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great 
don't we have a whole lot of posers today claiming to be somebody great? Ain't nothing new under the sun, folks. Ain't nothing new under the sun. We just have a new name for it now. We call them posers. Same old thing. As my Italian friends would say, same a ting, same a ting, same a ting. He was astonishing people with what he was doing. He claimed to be somebody great. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as of yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. King Jimmy says they received the Holy Ghost. New King James says they received the Holy Spirit. I love this particular account, and I want to pull some nuggets and principles out of here. Number one, Philip is an evangelist. That's what his function was. He started as a deacon. He was one that was full of faith and wisdom. To be deacon. I know some preachers that don't qualify. We'll just let that one go right on by. Philip starts as a deacon to wait tables. And they had to be full of faith and wisdom. But Philip didn't stay a deacon. And through his faithfulness, he became Philip the evangelist is what we refer to him as. And what Philip did was he went to Samaria. He was really the only one that understood the commission that Jesus gave. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they all stayed in Jerusalem. Nobody left. And they didn't leave until persecution came. Philip was the only guy. Leave it to the evangelists to leave. Evangelists are rebel rousers. They are. And they will go against the status quo. And what he did was he held what we would call an evangelistic crusade. And what he did was he had a particular message that he was preaching. He was preaching things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God and the name. What are we preaching? See, we say 
we want those results. Well, if we want those results, maybe we got to preach what he was preaching. He was preaching things concerning the kingdom. What we have done is we have preached the gospel of salvation instead of the gospel of the kingdom. That's on us. We have focused on just getting people saved. And Jesus never came to get people to go to heaven. He came to bring us into the kingdom. It's of his kingdom that there will be no end. And the kingdom, the government will rest on his shoulders. We have changed the message from what the evangelist Philip preached. He preached the kingdom and the name of Jesus. When's the last time you heard somebody preach on the name of Jesus? We, we preach about fighting devils. We preach about warfare. Oh, I got the spirit of meddling on me right now. I'm telling you. I got the spirit of meddling on me. I wonder why we have people in the church that say they're doing spiritual warfare and they talk to the devil more than they do to God. Oh, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant that thy servants may speak the word with boldness. They didn't talk to the devil once. Something tells me we've been focusing on the wrong stuff. And we want kingdom transformation. He preaches the kingdom and Jesus. Then the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, both hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. They heard it and they saw it. You know what this generation is looking for? They're looking for sight and sound. We are in a sight and sound generation. Why do you think everybody's on the internet all the time? Why is everybody on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Reels, all those? Because it's a sight and sound generation. But we've been saying, but we ain't been showing. We've been called to show and tell. We've been talking it, but we ain't been. They gave heed because they heard something and they saw something. What did they see? They saw unclean spirits that were coming out of them. And those that were lame and had the palsy were healed. Can I teach you something for a moment? Not a blind eye was opened. Not a deaf ear was unstopped. Not a cancer came off. Not a tumor disintegrated. But those that were lame and had the palsy were healed. Well, why is that? Because the Bible says there are gifts of healings. And both words are plural in the Greek. Philip had a gift of healing, singular. 
for those that had lame and palsy. And they were getting healed. He didn't have a gift of healing for everything. He had a gift of healing for one thing. And that's why we need the body to come together. Because Ronnie may be gifted for one thing, and Jack another, and Robin another, and Andrew another. But when we take where we're all gifted, and we put it together, now there is nothing that we cannot deal with. It was a gift of healing. Only those lame and palsy were healed. They believed Philip, both men and women, and they were baptized. Philip got them saved. He got them delivered. He got them healed. And he got them dunked. Right? They were baptized. Well, you know in the New Testament, they didn't sprinkle nobody. They went down into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. He didn't sprinkle nobody. So he got them saved. He got them healed. He got them delivered. And he got them dunked. That's a pretty successful revival. That's a pretty successful evangelistic campaign. Now we've got Simon, the sorcerer. Who's claiming he's somebody great because of his sorceries. And so Simon is watching what's happening. But now word gets back to headquarters. Word gets to Jerusalem. Samaria has received the word. So now the church at Jerusalem sends Peter and John. Here come the apostles. The evangelist did what the evangelist was anointed and gifted to do. But there was something that they lacked. There was something that they needed. And they would not have been complete until the apostles came and they got an apostolic impartation. And so when Peter and John came down, they laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. What that tells us is that even though Philip got them saved, healed, delivered, and dunked, he couldn't give them everything that they needed. There was something that the apostles needed to impart. And now we've got people that are just like what Apostle Eddie talked about. Full of pride. And how often have, well, if I can't give it to you, you don't need it. Why are you ignoramus? How can you be so stupid and still breathe? Did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. I'm not even going to apologize for saying that. How can you be so stupid and still breathe? God had to send the apostles to impart what they had. There needed to be, an, even though it was a successful evangelistic campaign, the apostles still needed to do their part. Because the evangelists could not impart 
what the apostles carried. It's impossible for an evangelist to give you an apostolic impartation because they don't have an apostolic mantle. One can only give what they have. I, I can't impart to you what I don't possess. Hmm? Peter and John walking up to the temple in the book of silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give. You can't give it if you ain't got it. And what we do is we put a particular minister or ministry gift on a pedestal as if they are the be-all and end-all and expect them to give us everything that we need. I, I talk to people, well, I feel like I'm called to a prophetic ministry. Are you sitting under a seasoned prophet? No, I'm sitting under my pastor. Is your pastor prophetic? No. How does your pastor feel about the prophetic? Well, he doesn't allow the prophetic to flow in the church. Well, dear Lord God, how do you expect to develop in a prophetic sitting under a pastoral anointing? It will not work. One can only impart what they have. And, and we got lots of folks that are frustrated. They're frustrated. Because they're trying to receive something from a leader that the leader is incapable of giving them. Doesn't mean they're not good leaders. They are operating by the gifting and the grace that God has given them. But if you want what they don't have, don't judge them and say they're bad leaders. They just can't give you what you're looking for. The law of Genesis tells us that everything produces after its own kind. So pastors can only reproduce pastors. A teacher can reproduce a teacher. An evangelist can reproduce an evangelist. A prophet can reproduce a prophet. And an apostle can reproduce an apostle. But if you're trying to get ministry gift X to give you Y, it ain't going to happen. And it just ain't going to work. And so the apostolic impartation was required. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I told you I had something burning in my innards. Acts chapter 13, everybody knows this text, the first four verses. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. 
So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. So we look at this and we see there is a gathering in the church at Antioch of two ministry gifts, two ascension gifts. Notice that it says that they were prophets and teachers. No pastors are listed. No evangelists are listed. Just prophets and teachers. Notice what they were doing. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Ministering to the Lord is worship and intercession. Some of us today call it harp and bowl. That's what they were doing. They were fasting. That's a cuss word in the church. If you take the Christian dictionary and you look up the word fasting, it says foul four-letter word. See, we like to buffet our body, not buffet our body. I told you, Marshall, I got the spirit of meddling. You got it. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Sometimes you got to create an atmosphere or an environment that is conducive to God speaking. By ministering to the Lord and fasting, they created an atmosphere that was conducive to the Holy Spirit to speak. I don't know when's the last time we heard a prophetic word. What kind of atmosphere are you creating for him? He does not go where he is not welcome. He does not push his way in. He's invited in. I heard Dad Hagen say years ago, and my sister Margie, will, she will confirm this, but Dad Hagen always said, the Spirit of God is a gentleman. You've got to create an atmosphere. The atmosphere was created because ministry gifts came together and fasted and prayed. We can't even get ministry gifts to work together in the same town. And in the book of Acts, the ministry gifts fasted and prayed together. You want to change a region? You want to change a territory? You want to have a breakthrough and change the spiritual climate? Just maybe if we could get ascension gifts to fast and pray and worship together. Maybe God might do something within our regions. But we got so much competition and so much jealousy. We got a bunch of people. I'm going to be crude for just one moment. I promise you for just one moment. But it is a visual you will not forget. We got too many preachers acting like dogs marking their territory on fire hydrants. You approve that? That's because you and I, we really tell it like it is. <laughs> now, it's interesting 
that it's prophets and teachers and the Holy Ghost said. Now, the Bible does not say this, but let me submit something to you. I think it just might be possible because some of those gifts were prophets that the Holy Ghost spoke through one of the prophets. I think it's more than likely since prophets are the mouthpiece of God. Now, it could be that the Holy Ghost spoke audibly and they all heard it. But I would submit that more than likely one of the prophets got a prophetic word. Then notice what they did. They heard a divine instruction and they fasted and prayed some more. We hear a divine instruction. This is what we do. Joe Henry, follow me. Yay, let's go. Oh, and run right into a brick wall. That's what we, I heard from God. Let's go. They fasted and prayed some more. Long before they did anything, they took time to fast and pray some more. Leaders, leaders, ascension gifts. We can't institute what God said. We can't go forward. You can't be sent into your apostolic assignment until we fast and pray some more. Because you're not ready to be sent. I'm talking about the paradigm, the pattern, and the blueprint of the New Testament compared to what we are walking in and what we see. So in our first text, we saw an evangelist doing what they do, then needing the apostles to come and make. So you have an evangelist and apostles working together. Was Philip upset? That Peter and John came down and imparted what they had to impart. Or did he say, hey, this is my revival. You go back to Jerusalem, you're not needed here. Lord knows that's what most of us would do. You are encroaching on my territory. How dare you? Hmm? That's not what he did. They fasted. That just tells me that we need a whole lot more of corporate five-fold leaders praying together. And I'll be honest with you. You won't get city transformation, regional transformation, and you won't get the people to pray together if you don't get the leaders to pray together. Because as the heads go, so goes the body. And everything flows down. Sis, let me just tell you, your assignment is not done. Your assignment with getting leaders and gathering them to pray, that is not done. We need it now more than ever. And what we are looking for to get to the body will not happen without the leaders praying together. That's what the book of Acts did. Let's drop down to Acts chapter 18. I'm fixing to kick some cows. And I happen to have the right shoes on for kicking cows tonight. 
So instead of saying amen, you can all go, because mm, we're fixing to kick cows. Acts chapter 18. Now a certain man, I'm starting at verse um, 24 and reading to verse 28. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man. He was like Dr. Baker. Eloquent. <laughs> you know I said that just for you. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Some of y'all won't get that. That's a senior council joke. <laughs> you got your waiters on, Cal? <laughs> An eloquent man. Mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Now we're looking at some more gifts, more ascension gifts, ministry gifts. We're looking at pastors, and we're looking at an apostle in training. We're looking at an up-and-coming apostle. We know if you study the context of 1 Corinthians that Apollos eventually becomes an apostle. If you study the context. And you realize that when, when Paul was writing and they were talking about, well, I am of Paul and I am of Cephas and I am of Apollos. What Paul was doing was putting Apollos on the same rank or the same level as he and Peter. So Paul considers him an apostle. He was zealous, but limited in his knowledge. Full of zeal, but all he knew was the baptism of John. So we would consider him an apostle in training. Now we call prophets in training and say they're in the pit, right? You know what an apostle in training is? I... A-I-T. I, he was an I, he was an apostle in training. He wasn't ready to be an apostle yet. But we got a lot of folks that we know them and they say, but I'm called to be. But that does not mean you're ready to step into and operate. Many are called, but few are chosen. 
And what makes the difference between the call and the chosen is the yielding to the process and the training that you go through. But I'm called. Wonderful. Congratulations. You and a whole bunch of other folks. But will you submit to the training and the process? And so prophets in training, they're in the pit. And apostles in training, they're I. They're in training. So here's this guy who's full of zeal, but limited in his knowledge. And he encounters Priscilla and Aquila. Very interesting people. Priscilla and Aquila are apostolic in nature because they are part of Paul's apostolic ministry team. They travel with him, but they have a church that meets in their home. Well, house churches are not of God. Excuse me. I, I thought there was a church that met in their home. Oh, but house churches are not of God. Oh, really? Can you read? They were pastors of a church that met in their home. Now, I just ticked off all the religious folks because I said that a lady was a co-pastor with her husband of a church that met. Well, you know, ladies can't be pastors. Oh, really? Can you read? Have you looked at Priscilla and Aquila? They were part of Paul's apostolic ministry team. They traveled with Paul. And Paul named them as part of his team. Paul had a lady on of the Lord Jesus. I can hear the religious devil screaming. A lady pastor. Geek number one. But wait, there's more. They also worked secularly with Paul. For by trade, they were tent makers. Well, you know, brother, if you had anything from God and you really had a call and you had faith, you wouldn't be cleaning carpets. Did anybody ever tell you that? You wouldn't be selling computers, Mike. You wouldn't do what you do. If you really had something, I'm sorry, Paul made tents. And he said, with these hands, I have seen. And I didn't come to be a burden to you. I came to lay my life down. And I have provided for my own needs with my hands. And he had two pastors in business with him doing the same trade. Well, you know, if, if you were really called of God and really had something, you'd be in full-time ministry. Well, are you a part-time Christian? Kick. I used to tell folks when I worked for the Italian caterer, look, 
If Paul can make tents, I can make meatballs. And I actually can. <laughs> so, so you can work secularly and in the ministry at the same time. I'm talking about patterns of the New Testament. Now, let's look at Priscilla and Aquila a little bit further. We find them mentioned five times in the New Testament. Three out of the five, Priscilla's mentioned first. Three out of the five, she's mentioned first. Now, that goes against custom. Because the custom of the day is just like the custom today. Let's say that on their wedding day, these two beautiful people in the front row, stand up, turn around, let everybody see how pretty you are. These two beautiful people, however many years ago it was, one time they entered into holy matrimony. They got married. And when the minister was done, he did this. He spun them around to face the crowd and says, may I present to you for the first time, Mr. and Mrs. Gonzalez. Right? That's what we do. We mention the man first. Thank you, Eunice. That's what we do. And then we go to the reception. And we have the, the, the DJ. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, after all the bridal party comes in, they make the arts, they pump up the music. May I present to you, Mr. and Mrs. Gonzalez. We always name the man first. But three out of five times in the New Testament, Priscilla's name before Aquila is. Totally going against the custom. Say, why is that? Because the other custom of the New Testament is that the chief speaker was named first. Say, how do you know that? Um, Peter and John. Paul and Silas. Paul and Barnabas. The chief speaker was always named first. So three out of the five times that you see them, it's Priscilla and Aquila. Because she was the chief speaker. Now, you're really ready to have your mind blown? Ready? God used a lady pastor to set straight an up-and-coming male apostle. And he listened to her. What? He listened to her. It's tight, but it's right. A man apostle listened to a lady pastor. He was full of zeal, but limited in his knowledge. Notice what it says. They took him aside and explained the way of the Lord to him more fully. They did not call him on the carpet. They did not belittle him in front of God and everybody. 
They didn't call him an ignoramus. They did not call him a, you don't know anything. They didn't tell him he wasn't even wet behind the ears yet. They took him aside privately. They showed him. I'm talking about how leaders work. And this lady pastor had compassion. She had a nurturing spirit. And she took him aside so as to not embarrass him. And he became an apostle on the same level, respected the same with Paul and Cephas. I'm talking about ministry gifts functioning together. So we've seen apostles and evangelists. We've seen prophets and teachers with prophets being commissioned to be apostles by the word of the Lord. We see corporate prayer and fasting amongst ministry gifts. And we see that even when they get instructions, they fast and pray some more. And then release them into their apostolic ministry. Not until. I'm talking about ascension gifts working and flowing together. One last text. As some preachers would say, I am beginning to close. First closing. Last text. Yeah. Mom will say, that was first closing. You've got two or three more to go. Acts chapter 15. We're going to read a lengthy portion here. I think most of us know the text, but just in case, starting at verse 6, going all the way down to verse 29. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But if we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. 
And with this, the words of the prophets agree. Just as it is written, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David. I wish I could chase a rabbit right now, but I can't. Which has fallen down and I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge. If I was you, I would write in your Bible, highlight, I would put bells, whistles, stars, highlight that phrase or highlight it in your tablet or your phone. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Beware of people preaching stuff that they were not commanded to preach. They went out preaching a gospel that they were not sanctioned to preach. They're putting something on you that we did not tell them to say. They do not represent us. They are representing their own motives. And they're trying to take you back into bondage under the law, which you've been set free from because you're in Christ. Amen. To whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. Here's another phrase you need to underline, highlight, star, bells, whistles. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. 
King Jimmy says, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. New King James, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That needs to become something we live by. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you will keep yourself from these things, you will do well. Now let's break this down. This we call the Jerusalem Council. And there's a lot we can learn from the Jerusalem Council. We notice it seems like the who's who of the early church is present. Peter is there. Paul is there. Barnabas is there. Judas and Silas are there. They're the only ones besides James that are mentioned by name. I want you to notice that in the text, it says that apostles and elders were present. But by name, only apostles and prophets were present. And it says unnamed elders. But Judas and Silas were both prophets. The others were all apostles. And so all the ones that actually spoke that are named. Those that actually deliberated. Those that cast their opinion were those that were given governmental grace. Apostles and prophets. They were the only ones that were speaking. What does that mean? That means the other gifts, although they are important for equipping, they have no governmental grace. And one of the reasons we've got a church that's so messed up is that we've got ministry gifts that don't have governmental grace having the say and speaking. And they stepped into a lane that they don't belong in. I know that ain't popular. But it's the truth. It's tight, but it's right. And so the apostles and the prophets were the ones that were deliberating and speaking. Now we look and we see James is mentioned. James seemed to be the convening apostle at this particular council. In the Love and Unity Senior Council, the convening apostle is Apostle Eddie. We all recognize Apostle Eddie. We know the position that he holds. That's who James was in the Jerusalem Council. He was the half-brother of the Lord. He wrote the epistle of James. He was not John's brother. He had already been beheaded under Herod. This is James, the Lord's half-brother. But he's the convening apostle. And after everybody throws their two cents worth in, James stands up and he says, listen to me. You've got an apostle stepping into their metron in their sphere of authority and speaking with apostolic authority. Listen to me. I judge. I judge. There was no more discussion after James said, I judge. 
There was no more two cents being thrown around. Because an apostle within his sphere of authority spoke. And they said it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. They came into agreement with what an apostle in their sphere of authority spoke. Nobody dissented. No descending voices. No, I'm sorry, James, you're off your rocker. I don't see it that way. Brother, I think you missed it. I judge. And it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. We've got to get back to having some set men and set women in spheres of authority. If we can have it in a local assembly and we recognize a set man or a set woman, don't you think there also ought to be a set man or a set woman in the region? And the governmental grace was on the apostles and the prophets. They're the ones that say, well, that's scriptural. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Can you read? Does anybody know what Ephesians says? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ being the cornerstone. It's right there. There's a governmental grace that apostles and prophets carry that the other three ascension gifts don't. Now we see it says they were elders, but they weren't named. We don't know what functions or offices they were in. But even the elders came into agreement with the decree of an apostle speaking from the realm of authority and said, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. If we can have it within a local church, we can have it within a region. Amen. We can have it within a city. We can have it in fellowships and organizations. Somebody is the vision caster. And can I be honest with you? There is a blessing of not being the one in charge. There really is. There's a blessing in saying, my brother, I am here to help you. Just tell me what I can do to help you. I don't have to figure it out. I'm just here to help. That's it. And, and this lady right over here, stand up, Ange. This is my, this is my sister. I am part of her church. She's the set woman. And when I'm there and not on the road, I say, sis, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? I am here to help. Because, you know, everybody needs a home church. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Well, I'm, I'm just supposed to go where God sends me. Peter and John are called on the carpet. For teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. And they are so, no more teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. Well, we must obey God. 
rather than men. And they came back to their company. They came to their companions. They came to those that they were linked and tied to. Apostles of the Lamb that wrote scripture had a company that they belonged to. Now, if the apostles of the Lamb that wrote scripture had a company that they belonged to, how much more? Oh, come on, somebody. How much more do you think you and I need a company that we belong to? That's one of the reasons we got so many flaky apostles and prophets. Because they're not accountable to anybody. They don't have a home base. They don't have companions. They don't have anybody that will speak into their life. And they get fruity, flaky, and nutty. They become granola Christians. If Peter and John needed it, dear Lord God, we do. I'm talking about how... Ascension gifts work together. We want kingdom transformation. We can have it. We can absolutely have kingdom transformation. All we got to do is do what they did. If we will do what they did, we will get what they got. But if we continue to do the mess that we've been doing for the last 2,000 years, we will continue to get the same mess that we've been walking in. Somebody once said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get a different result. Do you realize the world is smarter than the church? Let me give you an illustration. Does anybody remember when a product called New Coke came out? This is New Coke. This is better Coke than even the Coke that you grew up on. This is, you know, advertiser. This is new and improved Coca-Cola. And it sounded really, oh, a new Coke. Let's go get the new Coke. And everybody went and bought it and tasted it and said, bleh. Tastes like crap. It's garbage. Yes, I don't like it. Mikey no likey. <laughs> Nobody liked the new Coke. Nobody bought the new Coke. Coke stock went <laughs> So the advertiser said, hmm, obviously they ain't buying what we're selling. So they went back and they decided we will bring back the old Coke. But we can't call it old Coke. So they said, we're going to call it Coke Classic. This is the Coke that you grew up on. This is the Coke that your mama loved. This is the Coke that your daddy loved. This is backed by popular demand. We have brought back Coke Classic. And everybody flocked to buy Coke Classic. And new Coke was never heard from again. They had enough sense to know we got to change what we're doing if we want a different result. But yet we in the church 
keep doing the same thing, the same thing, the same. Do I need to run into the wall again to get it through to your head that we can't do the same thing we've always done and expect to get kingdom transformation? It will not work. It will not work. There is a pattern, my brother and sister. There is a pattern. And all we got to do is move back to the pattern. If Philip and Peter and John could work together, so can we. Hmm? If you look in Acts 13 at those apostles, those uh, prophets and teachers that are gathered together and they set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work they were called to. If they could work together, so can we. If you look at Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos, if they could work together, so can we. If Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James and Silas and Judas, if they could work together, so can we. It's really that simple. It's that simple. We've got to do what Apostle Eddie was saying at the very beginning when he was casting the vision. When you started saying that I was my brother, you are on it because you're right where I'm going. You know what I appreciate about this council of love and unity? Nobody's got an ego. And nobody's got anything to prove. We have become each other's cheerleaders, literally. In fact, when we come to these convergences, we all say the same thing. I don't have to preach. I don't have to. I don't have to teach. If, if God wants me to, I will. I'll get a word. I'll get a message. But I don't have to. I'm just part of a team of leaders. Well, I, I had a word. I was supposed to prophesy. Oh, please. My word was more important. Oh, please. Grow up. Grow up. This is not kindergarten anymore, folks. We are not in kindergarten. We are in a real battle for the souls of men. And our baby attitudes will not cut it anymore. They just will not. No, we're submitted to one another in love. We honor one another. There, I love you too, man. There is mutual accountability. There is mutual submission. And there is mutual honor that we have to walk in. And if we want this thing to work like the New Testament, that's where we got to go. Ego has got to go. Pride has got to go. You realize when he said, God is opposed to the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. You know what the word opposed means? It's adversarial. It means fighting. So when you're in pride, you're actually fighting with God. And then you think God's going to use you. 
That's not going to work, folks. That is not going to work. I'm talking about we want kingdom transformation. It's going to come when we lock arms, when we come together, and when we flow together. How do you explain Apostle Marshall McGee is from Nebraska? Apostle Cal is from California. Apostle Eddie's from California. Dr. Baker's from California. I'm from New Jersey. I almost feel like, you know, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of New Jersey? Especially one that wears snakeskin boots. Dear Lord. Hey, I read one time where God spoke through a donkey. If he could speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. Apostle Ronnie's from Texas. Jack's from right here in beautiful Ohio. Robin, Robin is from Arkansas. He, he is my, he's my redneck brother. He's my redneck brother. And, and Andrew's from California. Then we have Apostle Daniel, who has recently joined the council. He's from Louisiana. We've got Dr. Don Hughes, who's from Oklahoma. And we've got Dr. Barry Cook, who has lived all over the country, but is back in Texas now. But we are a diverse group, an eclectic group. But God has done something to knit the hearts of this group of people and do something. to. How do you get people from all these different places that think alike, that believe alike, and are willing to come together for a common purpose? Don't tell me it can't be done. If God could take my heart and knit it to this man's, who in the beginning I said, eh, I don't know about this guy. If God could knit my heart to his and make me love him and him love me, there's no reason why we can't come together as leaders in the body of Christ. There's no reason that we can't. I believe it's God's heart that we begin to walk this thing out. I don't know about you, but when I read the book of Acts, those are the results that I'm looking for. The principles that I pulled out of those verses, and I didn't pull out every principle. Dear Lord God, if I pulled out every principle, I'd be preaching to three in the morning and my voice would not hold out. I'd have to tag Marshall in. <laughs> and and Marcy would just jump right in and say, I got you, bro. I got you. But that's what we need to do. My job tonight was to open this with an expectation of where we need to go. And what God is looking from us as leaders. How many are actually leaders in the kingdom right now? Let me see your hand. Look around this room. I would say probably 90% of the people that are here are leaders. This is our job. This is our mandate. This is what we must do. This is our call to action. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these that have assembled within this region right now. From all over the country, they have come. 
various giftings and various graces. There's pastors and apostles and prophets and, and teachers and evangelists that are all within this room. And every one of us is needed to advance your kingdom in the earth. May we rise up within this hour. May we prefer our brother and prefer our sister. May we honor those that labor amongst us. May we yield to one another in love and in honor. May we join together and arm together and stick our hearts together. We might fulfill the prayer of Jesus in the garden. Father, that they may be one. Even as I am in you. And you are in me. May they be one. Right now, Spirit of God, I'm asking you to move through this congregation of people that are here. For those of you that may be watching a, a live stream or will watch this at some point, I pray over you in the name of Jesus right now that the Spirit of God would flow through your heart right where you are. That you would feel the presence of God that's in this room right now. May He move in your heart. May He move you to honor. May He move you to humility. May He move you to linking arms and linking hearts with other leaders that together we advance the kingdom. I pray over every person under the sound of my voice. Lock arms. Lock hearts. And rise up together within this hour and bring the kingdom transformation through ascension gifts that are working together. Sir, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. During worship tonight, I felt very impressed by the Spirit of God about a couple of things that I believe he wants to minister about. I believe that there's many that have been very, very frustrated. I think some have felt like they're banging their head against the wall. Some possibly have felt like my illustration of running into the wall. And you're tired of banging your head against the wall. God doesn't want you frustrated. I believe there's some that have some real hurts and pains within their heart. I know Apostle Ronnie said to me earlier that there was a, a spirit of healing that was in the room tonight, and I agree with him, but I believe specifically the Lord wants to deal with healing broken hearts tonight. I believe he wants to deal with healing broken hearts. I think some people have, Lord, I thought this would have happened by now and it hasn't happened yet. And you've gotten disheartened, gotten disillusioned, and you've become weary in well-doing. And your heart hurts because it hasn't happened the way that you thought it would, the way that it should, or that it could. 
And I believe God wants to minister to you tonight. I believe there's healing for the brokenhearted. That he can still pour in the oil and the wine. And heal your broken heart. The old, the old hymn writer said that there is a bomb in Gilead. That heals our souls. And I believe some need to have that applied to them tonight. I told Apostle Eddie in the council this morning when we gathered together for prayer, I felt that the Spirit of God wanted to minister tonight through the council as a team, not as individuals. That he wanted us to minister as a team. See, we can talk a good talk, but can we walk what we talk? And so I'm going to ask everybody on the council to come stand up here. And I want us to just form a line across the front and to face the congregation. I'm going to move this out of the way. Yes, I used to be a head usher in a church of thousands. I'm not opposed to moving furniture. I know how to do it. But if you've been dealing with frustration... God wants to minister to you tonight. It may be a hug. It may be a word. It could be a prophetic word. It could just be somebody saying, I love you and I'm with you. Whatever God puts on the council's hearts. But if you're frustrated, God wants to minister to you. If your heart is broken, you've become weary and well-doing. God wants to minister to you tonight. And I'm just going to say this altar is open. And this council is here ready to minister. And as you feel led or you feel that you need to, just come. And you can go to anybody you want. Don't say, oh, well, you know, I got to go to Dr. Baker because she specializes. Just go where God leads you and just be obedient. Sometimes we do that. We'll just run to one, and everybody will line up in front of that one person. Oh, it's got to come. To, oh, oh, you know, Apostle Eddie doesn't lay hands on me. I'm not going to get ministered to. It doesn't matter who lays hands on you because everybody has a gift and a grace to impart. And with that, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let them play because there's an anointing that comes when minstrels and psalmists do what they do because they increase the anointing. And so it's open, y'all come, and I just want them to minister.